A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash the Titles, which Vicky's going to introduce this week. Because <laughs> uh, movies in common. Is that right? Can you actually do it? I th- wonder. But the thing is, I've thought about this quite a lot. Let's just slow it down for a second. Just yeah. slow it down. Slow down. Slow down. I've often wondered about when this moment would come, and I've never prepped for it. And I wonder if do you just do an impression of Alex, or do you do it your own way? No, I'm not asking you. I mean the proverbial you, like. What would I do in that situation? We won't know because today's not my day. Sure, but I want you to try and do it now. What does he say? What's the line? He says, <laughs> says wait, four years, boys. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the movie podcast. No, that's new because of SEO, the movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that takes two films with something in common to see which one does it better. That's it, you see? That you can it. do it. Oh, I can do it, yeah. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll continue the intro. Finish him off, Brian! On, uh, on this week's show, in the red, white and blue corner, we're heading to Turin with Michael Caine to participate in a ridiculous heist on the Italian job. While in the Brazilian corner, we're journeying to Rio with family for an even more ridiculous heist in Fast Five. Does Mr Bridget think he can take over Europe from a prison cell? Huh? <laughs> Your car? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty car. <laughs> oh, hell no. <nah. laughs> I see they really scraped the bottom of the barrel, huh? I guess they did since your ass is here. When you gonna give Martin Luther King his car back? As soon as you give Rick James his jacket back. But which wins? You'll find that in about an hour in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris. I'm Vicky Crompton. No, Alex, this week because of reasons. Reasons? Work reasons. Work reasons. Yes. Vague. 
well, you say non-existent, but work reasons. Just work. Work reasons, which I think is a real shame this week. You didn't have me last week, but it's not like you desperately needed me what, for the you? time travel movies. Whereas <laughs> I feel like Alex and Fast Five. This is the kind of film that would have made him weep in the cinema. Because of the action. Yeah, he yeah, would have been literally so crying, wouldn't yeah, he? he? But on the flip side... I know that you are resistant to Inflation Corner, but it's a hell of a week for Inflation Corner as we're dealing with two sums mm. of money that have changed significantly over the years. And for once, mm. I've done the research. Mm, but so. I'm hosting, so maybe <laughs> you better, there won't be a pit better stop. You over to me. <laughs> there will not be a pit stop. I've highlighted it in my notes and it would be a, a real shame. <laughs> also, um, we have some jeopardy because uh, I just messaged Alex asking him which one he's picking. He has two hours to get back to us. Interesting. Or we might not have a winner. Who knows? Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, clues. Yes. Um, Alex said something about the heist being carnage. Yes. Sorry, I forgot about that. That was a good clue. It was I a good thought. clue. Yeah. It was a good clue. And then my clue, did you see my clue on Twitter? I'm afraid I did not. I said the clue was the 1994 World Cup final. Oh, lovely. Because that was um, Italy versus Brazil. Lovely. Mm. So nice. I was pleased with that. Yeah. What <laughs> a man's week. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but it meant that lots of people uh, thought it was the Italian job versus the Italian job. But... The remake was in Venice, not Brazil. So come on, people. That's incorrect. Work with me here. Yeah. Uh, someone suggested the Italian job and the film Brazil, which wow. would have wow. been a wacky pairing. <laughs> Make that work. <laughs> uh, but first to the finish line was Andrew Logan, Hooray! Um, who guessed these ones right. Your prize, and I'm not making this up, is the St. George's flag that came with my Italian job DVD. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did it really? Yeah, you opened up and there was a folded St. George's flag oh, in I it. I don't want to hear. <laughs> that just makes me feel uneasy. Yes, uh, I'll get to that as well when I'm talking about history with the film. But we, before that, we're doing connection section. Yeah. I mean, there's a few. So car chases heists. Um, yes. But they both drag the thing, which I didn't realise. So they do drag the gold at one point in the Italian job, which I've totally forgotten about. And obviously you yep. drag the vault in for yep. five. Yeah, yeah. Getting the team together montages. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, getting the team together because Italian job doesn't bother with a montage. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have just ruined my change. Yeah, it's a board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> How can we make this as boring as yeah. possible? What I'll do, I'll walk around in a big circle. You'll notice there's a woman to my left. I'll come to her last. <laughs> well, she is the most important person in the film. Uh, precision drivers. Yes. Um, training montages. Yes. Um, anything else? No. No. I mean, the films are essentially the same, but um, <laughs> not specifically. So um, we're going to be doing Fast Five on Thursday, which means I'm going to do the Italian job right now. Foreigners, eh? Especially Europeans. Who would actually want to be in Europe with the jobs and trade opportunities that come with that? (laughs) And that pesky freedom of movement we all hated so much. So let's show those bloody foreigners that we're still the daddy of this hemisphere by stealing from those bastard Italians in Mini Coopers before heading back to England to drink tea and shag dolly birds. (laughs) Presenting Brexit the movie, which some people call the Italian job. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you went there already. Yeah. Juicy, lovely. Yeah, it's a very Brexity film, isn't it? Let's get Brexit done. It's just, uh, yes, and also taking the heat out of it. Just, I've just, I don't know, that one moment where the old football fan is walking around and he's like, oh, bloody foreigners. Bloody he literally says bloody foreigners, doesn't he? And it just makes you shudder, doesn't it, a bit? Apparently, he had a much bigger role in the film. They shot a load of stuff with him. So I wonder if they took it out. Yeah, this, this bit might have gotten too racist. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll keep the rest of it. Um, so, tell us, yeah. when did you first see the Italian job? Well, it's a big mystery, actually, Chris Tilly, because I was like, hey, Mark, we're going to put on the Italian job again, because I've seen it before, which I assume was with you, and he's like, never seen it, mm. love. Mm. So, I don't know, that makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't know who else in my life, I saw it ages ago, but who else in my life would have sat down with me and watched this movie. I don't know. You could watch films on your own. God, I would never repeat this. <laughs> no. Really? No. Okay. I was always... I remember watching it. I was quite old because I knew the ending. So I right, knew that. Okay. And I was yeah, curious yeah. to see how we got there. Yeah. But I swore blind it was with Mark Parsons. However, it was not. But I've seen it once before and that was it. Yeah. I mean, this film was always seen to be around in the ether. It's one of those yeah. British films that always gets talked about. Mm-hmm. It's on every list. It's on every documentary about British films. Um, I remember when I was younger being confused by the marketing for this film when I saw it, which was, pro- I was probably about 12 when I watched it on the telly, because the poster is Michael Caine sitting in an armchair with a giant Tommy gun. Yeah. There's no Tommy guns in this film. There's no, no. guns in this film. As there's such. No, no, there's also, there's a lack, there's maybe an absence of guns. No, and, and, and there's a reason for that because, this, as the screenwriter said, the English gangsters did not use guns much at this, at Do this Italian period. Do Italian police officers use guns? <laughs> Not maybe in this not, film. Maybe not. I don't know. But um, so yeah, that was a bit weird. But yeah, I, I saw it when I was eleven or twelve, and then I purchased it uh, around the time of Euro '96 when right. they clearly repackaged it yeah. as part of what was happening in in the UK and England at that time, where it was a lot of a lot of British pride, a lot of English pride in our music scene, our film scene, our sports scene. Yeah. And so the St George's flag um, popped up. It popped up. <laughs> popped out of the box. It did. Uh, so yeah, I must have watched it again around. Around that time and I don't think I've seen it since but it's one of those films that I think if it's on the telly and we're in the last half hour I'll probably stick it to the Does end. Does your dad like it? I mean, most people I know I think like okay, it. I enough. was quite shocked with the comment you said last week which we'll get to because I want to have some form of jeopardy but I was like wow do people hate this film? And then I'd never heard someone say I hate the Italian job in reference to this version of it. Um, but equally, uh, watching it this time through a different set of eyes, an analytical set of eyes, yeah. I now see there are problems that I was maybe <laughs> not caring about when I watched it when As I was 12. so many films that we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So uh, let's do a little bit of background. Um, pretty straightforward this week, okay. uh, the Italian job. It, was, it had quite relatively plain sailing. Uh, but we start with Troy Kennedy Martin, the writer of the film Red Heat. Oh. You weren't on that episode, were you? That was a Dave Berry episode. Is that the one with James Belushi? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was there. You were there. What did we do that with? Oh, Tango Cash. Tango Cash. Cash. Yeah, yeah it was it? a Dave Berry yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair. Essentially. That's fair. fair. <laughs> um, so this is our second uh, Troy Kennedy Martin. Uh, you might like this. So his brother wrote a script from the BBC, for the BBC, about a heist using an electronic computing system. Oh, yes. In the 1960s. Hell yes. Uh, the BBC didn't really go for it so Troy brought bought the idea off his brother brilliant lovely that's nice lovely stuff <laughs> and Troy himself had lived in Italy drove a Mini Cooper and was really interested in talk of England joining the European Union at this time <laughs> which was happening I think I think it first came up as a subject a couple of years before mm-hmm. and I think the, the year this came out 69 was when they announced we would start debating right. whether we entered the European Union Union. Okay. Uh, so he just put them all together in a film. Um, Michael Dealey boarded as a producer, who I've actually interviewed Michael Dealey. Okay. He, he produced Blade Runner. 
Um, and the deer hunter, and I interviewed him for Blade Runner. Very old man now. Yeah. Uh, he came on as as producer. Uh, he wanted the director of Bullet, Peter Yates, uh, to direct it, but the head of Paramount disagreed. He wanted Peter Collinson uh, because he, although this was an American producer, uh, studio head rather, he saw Peter Collinson as someone who had defined London cinema through a film called The Penthouse, which I hadn't heard of, no. and Up the Junction. Oh, fine. Which I had. Yeah. Um, and so this was sort of English, London, kitchen sink dramas. Yeah, was, we was... had to do up the junction at school, weirdly. Any good? It's, I mean, it's. I, mean, I was too young. I was like, this is boring, mm. but I get it. And some certain scenes like stick in my mind. I think if I'd been five years older, it would have blown my mind. But I was just yeah. like, whatever. Yeah, I think. I think it's set in Clapham. Is it? Yeah, I, I need to see. I need to see. Um, what else? Uh, D, the DP that came on board, and it does look great, this film, uh, Douglas Slocum who in his later years um, was DP for the first three Indiana Jones movies. I thought I recognised the name. Yeah, super old when he did them. And and what a way to go out. Like three of his last films were those three, which you couldn't get better looking movies than than the Raiders and the, the Indiana Jones. So anyway, casting. Uh, Troy Kennedy Martin wrote this film for Michael Caine. Right. He'd known him for years. He'd known of him for years. He tried to get him in Z cars when he was doing TV <laughs> writing before Caine became a name. Yeah. Um, the studio chief, and I'm not sure if it's the same one I was referring to earlier, but the studio chief was Robert Evans on right. this film. Okay. And he wanted Robert Redford in the lead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Martin insisted that they go with Michael Caine, which he said... He said was a t- them taking a big chance, but Michael Caine had already done Zulu, Ipcress File, Alfie and Gambit. So he's a major, major movie star at this point. I think it's fine. Yeah. 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 So um, another thing that Troy Kelly Martin wanted was um, a tough man as Mr. Bridger. Right. The, the man in prison. <laughs> he, he actually wrote it for a very, very tough Scottish actor called Nicol Williamson, who if you saw him, you'd be like, oh yeah, I know him. He's terrifying. Mm. And... Um, Michael Dealey disagreed. He said, I need the polar opposite to Michael Caine. Who is the polar opposite? Because Michael Caine plays tough guys. Who is the opposite? Noel Coward. (laughs) Now, I have a story. Okay. A heartwarming story. (laughs) The director, Peter Collinson, his parents didn't want him, so he ended up in an orphanage. Wow, okay. Uh, Noel Coward was the patron of that orphanage. He befriended a broken-hearted little boy in the orphanage, and he even wrote about this boy in his diaries. Uh, that was Peter Collinson. Right. So when he left the orphanage, Noel Coward asked to be his godfather, organised for him to get a job um, as a line boy at a cinema in London. It's a bit like Annie. Sorted <laughs> him out with digs and got him a start in life, and then they, they sort of lost touch. Then Peter Collinson became a successful director, and he flew to, to, to Noel Coward in Switzerland to thank him for helping Matt at the beginning of his life and to ask him to be in his movie. And he said yes immediately. It is heartwarming. It also undermines the patronage of the orphanage because like, in order to get a good start in life, the patron has to take you under his wing personally rather than put you through the orphanage system and give you a decent education yeah. and solid footing in life. Yeah. So on the one hand, brilliant. On yeah. the other hand, sad for all the other orphans. Well done for taking something so negative away from that, Vicky. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just imagine if you're the little boy in the bed next to whoever, and you're like, why does he like you and not me? <laughs> you're not even a real orphan. <laughs> Yeah, Your parents just parents. don't like you. Um, so Noel Coward was in very ill health when he made this film and he was struggling to remember his lines, struggling to, to act even. And so his partner uh, of 20 years, Graham Payne, took a small role in the film. The bloke that's always next to him, giving him his papers and saying stuff to him. That's oh, Noel no Coward's way. real life partner. Really? Who helped him through the shoot and helped him get through now, it. that's lovely. Okay, so we found something positive. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Collinson is the one who decided to cast a bunch of subsidiary characters with comedians. Uh, he said it was quite opportunistic, grabbing comedy stars as and when they were available, um, which again is not what Troy Kennedy Martin envisioned. Yeah. He, and and we're going to get to one in particular uh, a bit later. But yeah, he made these tough guys. And so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as broad a comedy as it turned into. He didn't write a slapstick movie as such. Right. Um, well, it all makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, we missed the a- film in front of me makes no sense. Yes. Who are these people? Do, yes. Are they good at this job? Are they not good well, at this we never, job? We never really get a sense of who they are, do we? No. Hence, you know, you're um, getting the team together to <laughs> learn about their skills. I mean, I guess it's before maybe that had become the trope to do yes. in the films. Yeah. But it's quite useful. Yeah, to see it. <laughs> Especially if you've got characters like the three blonde guys who they're, they're just posh. And so you just can't really tell them apart. And their hair is just, I was dazzled Golden. by some, it's just Golden. platinum even. Mm. Like, it's just so, so sparkly. Well, Michael Caine, on. a lot of Michael Caine's career, he had that, that hair, didn't he? That's it's sort very of quite obvious startling. time, isn't it? Like, I don't, you don't see that very often yeah. these days, I wonder. Mm. Anyway. Um, cars. I'll do the cars and then we'll get into the movie. Great. So, um, Fiat thought this was the greatest commercial ever for a car. So they approached the filmmakers and asked them to switch the minis for Fiat 500s. We nearly didn't get minis at the end. But it kind of, you could make it work, couldn't you? Because obviously it's the it's a British invasion of Italy using the minis, you, but you could just use yeah, Italian cars. You could. You could. Uh, Fiat offered to give them all the cars they needed to destroy. They were going to pay them 50 grand. I, uh, what what would that be in today's money? I don't know. But okay, I, I thanks d- a lot. I do know what four million dollars is. Okay, we'll work back. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and they were going to give them all top of the line Ferraris. Okay. Um, but they did not accept the offer as the point of the movie was us against them. It was yeah. supposed to be Eurosceptic, our lads against their lads. I'm quoting the people who made yeah. the movie. Vomit. <laughs> <laughs> so it so it would have undermined the premise of Italian cars flying around at the end. Okay. Um, uh, and then finally, Ruli Julien uh, was the most famous stunt driver in Europe at the time. He's the guy they brought in uh, to oversee the finale. He took them on a tour of Turin locations and he told them what he could do where. And that's how they sort of wrote a lot of the finale was what he was capable of in a car. OK. Uh, and, 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 and his sort of ability to, to give these cars personality. Whether that's true or not, we'll, we'll discuss. So let's talk about the movie. Great. So... Um, Amazing opening credits. Oh, yes. I mean, really yeah, incredible. I could stay there all day. Yes. The song is perfect. Yes. This lazy, lazy drive. I just think it looks fantastic. A, a, a cool, beautiful man yeah. called Beckerman driving through the Alps uh, while this song plays. It's called On Days Like These by Matt Monroe. Mm. So um, Don Black co-wrote this. Um, his brief was to write a song that made the Italian Riviera sound irresistible. Um, 
he collaborated with Quincy Jones on it. And, and he, Quincy said, this has got to be a sunny tune. And so, yeah, they came up with just, it's a great way to start the movie. It's brilliant. Uh, he crashes in the tunnel, some guys in, in black suits with a big <laughs> wreath throw over the side of the mountain. Have you noticed? It happens twice. It only happened once, I won't go on about it. When he put, when the, the explosion in the bridge and then they're all stood there with the wreath, there's just, the mafia dudes, they always stand equidistant apart. They're mm-hmm. always the exact same distance apart. And there's like a number of plinths on the side of the motorway or wherever they are there's just enough men for each plinth so they've obviously like counted well there's going to be eight of us and so we'll have yeah there's eight plinths and so we're going to look super menacing like it looks very theatrical it looks like they're yeah. about to start dancing yeah yeah I liked it yeah well the mafia are nothing if not organised <laughs> It's so literally true, in the title, yeah. isn't it? What, it's organ- ten men? No, 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 because there's not ten bits of concrete. So You know no. what they call that? Organised crime. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, and then we meet Charlie Croker, played by Michael Caine. He's leaving prison. That is Mount Joy Prison in Dublin, right. is where they shot that. Fact fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> bit of trivia. Um, he's picked up by, can I call her a dolly bird? I think so. That's what they're going for, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, Lorna. In a car belonging to the Pakistani ambassador. Right. Um, he says, take me to my tailor. And I was going to say that's a funny line until I remembered Alex has probably said that in real life, <laughs> hasn't he? Tomorrow I'm taking you to my personal tailor. And he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> then let's but he, go with you. He definitely has a tailor and he's probably said, take me to my tailor <laughs> to, to a driver, tailor. hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and he checks into the Royal Lancaster Hotel uh, to be greeted by a room... Filled with women, which is his coming out present because lads. Yeah, it's so scary. I find it so intimidating. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, this sort of, this is when I started thinking, oh, maybe this is why Vicky hates this film. But equally, he's coming off the back of Alfie. This is just a continuation yes. of, of the Alfie character, which was... I mean, let's break it down. It, his girlfriend has bought him these women. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So, okay, I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, where I... Where it tests my patience, a small piece, yeah. is in the next scene with Mrs. Beckerman. She's like, well, we have four hours to kill. And it's like, why does everybody want to shag you? The first women want to shag you because they've been paid to shag you. The second woman, she wants to shag you to kill a bit of time. He is irresistible, though. No. We're, we're playing on... <laughs> we are playing... Alfie was irresistible. Right. He had six women on the go. Objectively irresistible. Okay. Yes. And yeah. so this is just... The, he's essentially the same character here. Yeah. Those women would have done it for free. They would have done it for nothing. He, he's, yeah. This widow wants him in a bit later on. He's got three women in his flat. Lorna loses it. Oh, he it. does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah. this is just who Charlie Croker yeah. is. It's just so strange to me that movie logic from one movie can then go to another movie and everybody goes, well, of course. Yeah. Like, that's that's fine. It's the 60s. It's the 60s. Um, yeah, so yeah, the, 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 the widow immediately wants to shag him. Yeah. It's not been long. It's not been long. And I thought they must know each other because yeah. he says, oh, you and your widow's weeds. And she's like, so? And I thought, oh, well, that's all right because you've done this before. Yep. And then it dawned on me that she's like, no, <laughs> first time I met you. <laughs> So, as I say, I found that a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and not and not really necessary to anything. No. I mean, he's been up fr- all day. Yeah. I think he's been doing daytime shagging, which is good for him, actually. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, got, definitely. He's got into that sober... Afternoon delight. Yes. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't need to be there, does it? We're fine without, without him shagging the widow. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the plan, uh, which we watch from beyond the grave, Beckerman in a video becomes Basil Exposition, and he's, gonna, he's planning the greatest robbery of the 20th century. It's a smash and grab job for four million. Ding, ding, ding. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's all we're saying on that. 
<laughs> and so the plan is... Are you not curious? Yeah, come on. Of course you're curious. Because it's interesting. Because, right, here it, we can go. Can it be brief as well? Oh, I, I've got a whole bit. Okay. <laughs> no, All right, so the actual sum, because it's US dollars... Uh, Nikki, we're 21 minutes, 30 seconds in, in case you need to know where to snip. <laughs> in US dollars today... Four, th- four million US dollars in 1969 is worth 32 million US dollars today. Now, hold up, right? Mm. Because the value of money has obviously changed because inflation, but mm. also, is there so much more money in the world, not that the 99% of us can get to it, that 32 million feels like a sum that you'd be like, oh, okay, I can kind of imagine that. Whereas the four million they're talking about back in the 60s, which remember is equivalent to 32 today, they're mm. like, this will disrupt Europe. Whereas yeah. 32 million dollars, pounds, doesn't disrupt well, Europe. Say, he's called it the greatest robbery of the 20th century. So yeah. that's what we're, that's the, the numbers we're thinking about exactly. here. Exactly. And that 32 million doesn't do that. So it's interesting to me what's happened there. Yeah. Okay, that's it done. It's, that's it done until Thursday when this Few. will happen again. Few. Okay, we can come back in now, Nikki. You can cut back in now. Um, and so the plan is to infiltrate the Turin Traffic Control Centre, cause the biggest traffic jam in the history of the world, <clears throat> and then escape to Switzerland and deposit the money in a Geneva bank. Right. So um, they need to convince Mr. Bridger. Mr. Bridger is the Noel Coward character who is in prison, yeah, but he's the king of the prison. I think Mr. Bridger as a character is, I mean, it's a little bit hammy sometimes, fine, like with mm. the lampshade and he loves the queen and things like that. Yeah. But as an actual idea, this man that runs the country and mm-hmm. he's had to do, I found it so, I think he's a brilliant character. Mm-hmm. Like he's had to do time. So he doesn't, he can't, he hasn't bought the judicial system, but he has got the entire prison on his payroll and he's yeah. bought someone a house and he, he's treating it like his own property and he's got the governor and all the rest of it. So who is this man that had to do the time, mm. but still runs the world? I, th- I think that's so fascinating. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and <laughs> that casting really does work. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. you could have had that tough guy Nicole Williamson and it would have been a very different film but having him so counter to Michael Caine in terms of it's the class system as well at work isn't it Michael Caine was the first working class superstar in Hollywood Mm -hmm. yeah and so and Noel Coward is obviously the opposite of working class yes he is um and he you know it's sad to think that he was very ill at the time but he looks like he's enjoying himself oh yeah it's a brilliant, they? brilliant performance, and it 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 work, Some of the comedy doesn't work, like when we get to uh, Professor Peach, like that's all got to go. But this this makes up for that. Yeah, agreed. So he's not sure about the job at the moment until he hears it might help to balance this country's payment because we're dealing with someone who who cares about England above and beyond anything else. Um, he heads to the toilet and he's got his own theme tune, which is Royal Britannia. <laughs> I like it when a character has a theme tune. <laughs> Um, and he yeah. finds Croker there. Croker's broken back into prison. Show us him doing that. That's the truth. Although and I guess it's a nice surprise that he's in the loo. Um, but yeah, very risky. Very risky. Very he just risky. got out of prison, but fine. But um, yeah, and, and so we start having conversations about Europe and the common market. And I don't really know much about how the people of England felt about that at the time. Obviously, we know too much about how the people of England feel about it now. More than I want to know. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, the, the stuff about the Fiat car factory, the four millions coming from God, China. Because we're too, we're just too young to remember, I think. But when did we go metric? Because it all wound up in that as well. Like we don't want to lose our pounds and ounces yeah. and our pints and whatever. And obviously, we actually just didn't. Like we just run this yeah. dual system now, which is mad. Yeah, but yeah. Was it all bound up in that? Maybe so. I mean, it did have me thinking this week about the euro. 
quite like, I quite like us to have the euro to be in the currency of the euro. Yeah, yeah not the football. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I I, when care. it was on the cards a few, you know, however many decades ago, yeah. I, I remember those conversations. Yeah, like, yeah, great. I think okay. I, I didn't, I didn't, or I was told, oh, we shouldn't be doing it. And yeah. I'm like, I don't really care. No, I don't mind at all. It's not everybody my life. else did it, and it was fine. Yeah. But um, so where are we at? Oh, uh, first comedian shows up, John Le Masurier yes. as the prison governor. Doesn't have much to do. Always nice to see him. Yes, agree. <laughs> um, good. I'm just saying good casting there because we're getting into some troublesome stuff very soon. Okay. Um, Bridger is upset that the inmates aren't standing for the national anthem, which I found personally funny yeah. because there was a very elderly gentleman who ran a very yeah. camp bar, a theatre bar in London. And he would, I mean, he'd have a couple of gins around midnight. I'm sure he and would. And he would put, sometimes he'd come out in a dress and, and mime along to a Marilyn Monroe song. But he would often, on a Friday, Saturday night, put on the national anthem at midnight. Right. And if you didn't stand up and yeah. sing, he would kick you out. That's fascism. You were getting thrown out <laughs> of the Phoenix. I'm not being thing is it was quite funny i always enjoyed it i always enjoyed him having a go at someone and yep. that fir- they would at first think he's joking and then he's like no You're out. no <laughs> security <laughs> anyway um so yeah as you said his room's filled with pictures of the queen we've got lorna kicking the three birds out of uh, croker's apartment um so does she want him to have lots of girls or not want him to have lots of girls it's different when it's a present you know <laughs> I, I get that i just think her motivation's a bit confused um what's what's his apartment all about Oh well, yeah, it looks like a sort of I don't know. I, I like... said it looks like a giant secondhand furniture store. Yeah, in like somewhere cool, like Brighton or Camden or something. Yeah, um, it's got a ladies' toilet in it, and it's got. I like that screen door thing. I thought that was a nice. Yeah. I'd like to have that. Yeah, I mean, it looked cool. Yes, it looked very nineteen sixties cool. It did. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Professor Peach. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Before we get to Peach, Camp Freddy um, beats up um, Croker on the orders of Bridger. Not, not really Off sure. screen, though, which I thought was quite tasteful. Yeah. Um, I yeah, we don't want to see that. We need to see that. Uh, didn't need to happen. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, we, miss, we meet Miss Peach, played by another great comedy actress, Irene She's Handel. She's so good. Amazing. Like, put her in it much more. Yep. She's fantastic. She's, uh, she's, she's, her, she's uh, Professor Peach's sister. Um, he's in a home because he was discovered doing something obscene in the lounge with a net. Well, let's call it by its name, Chris. He raped a net, um, and then the joke is she's a big girl. She's a larger so lady. So we're yep. supposed to either um, think that she should be great. This is this is what the joke is. This is obviously not how I feel. The joke is either she should be grateful for the attention because look at her, yep. or we feel we feel sorry for him in some way because his his predilections are so what would be considered. Yeah, I think it's off-centered. more the former. I think it's yeah. more the former that we're we're supposed to. It just makes me feel so unsettled. The whole thing. So. You know, you're going to be very much on Troy Kennedy Martin's side here. Right. Yeah, He's maybe. a good guy. He, he didn't want any of this and he didn't write any of this. No. So we haven't said it yet. Professor Peach is played by Benny Hill. Yeah. A huge star. One of the, one of the biggest stars in the history of British comedy. And yet I don't know anyone who's ever found him funny. <laughs> you know? It's not like, I mean, obviously our generation weren't finding him no, funny. I mean, you... But it's not like anyone's parents were like, oh, Betty Hill's the best. Yeah. What is it then? What's happened? I, we, I suppose it's just got woven into our history in a way that we recognise him yeah. as, quote, marks national treasure, but we're not like, oh, pop on Benny and he, Hill. And he went global. Like, uh, Americans will be able to tell you, if you said Benny Hill, the music and what happened during the music. The chasing. The chasing. <laughs> the chasing and the music. Even yeah. if they don't really know who Benny Hill is, it just became... Yeah. So, uh, that is not what was written. So, Troy Kennedy Martin wrote him as a man who was obsessed with toy trains. Right. Collected toy trains. And to convince him... To do the job with them, they get hold of a very rare toy train. That is his predilection. Right. That was removed once they signed Benny Hill on. Troy Kennedy Martin had no say in it and the it, the joke became he likes big women. And do you think that was at Benny Hill's behest? Or do you think it just because it suited who they'd cast? Don't know. Yeah. I don't know because that, that wasn't clear. There's a, there's a few docu- couple of documentaries about this film that I watched and I mean they all said how what a lovely man Benny Hill is and how they all loved working I'm with sure, him and, yeah. and, and sweet and kind and quite shy bloke. But yes, it was just going to be a much milder, much sweeter character and... For whatever reason, they thought this would be funny. So, um, yeah, so this is what he said. The lust for big women appalled me and turned me off the movie. <laughs> so he now doesn't like his own film all that much. Um, just because it comes back quite a few times and it's just never funny and it's just 
It's a bit bit sick. Anyway, let's meet the team. Uh, The introductions (laughs) happen in that really dramatic way that Vicky (laughs) described. Um, Michael came walking around the table. So his number two is Honest Bill Bailey. He's got Getaway Chris, Tony and Dominic. They're the posh boys. Uh, Big William is driving the coach. We'll get to him at the end of the film. Uh, The Professor Peach is doing uh, the computing stuff in Turin. And then Arthur Frank, Rosa Coco, Yellow, Camp Freddy doing the actual job. And Roger, Dave and Lorna are in reserve. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of names. Mm. It's a lot of telling, not showing, isn't yeah. it? You need eight people max, yeah. I think. And especially, yeah, you don't need reserves. Don't give us <laughs> reserves. Um, we're not interested. I don't care who's on the bench. And equally, uh, you know, the drivers, I think you have to introduce them with some kind of driving yes. gag. Um, but we'll get to that. So next we've got some tests. Yeah, uh, you smash- get your chalkboard moment, which I is do. an actual chalkboard. I do, but before that we've got the most famous joke in English comedy history. Why, is it, why, is it, why did it get traction in the way it did? They're smashing up cars, they blow up a van... And Michael Caine says, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. I think because it's a very good joke. I do think it's a good joke. Is it? And I think the timing is really well done on it. Yeah. And the delivery of the line is really good. It's just this iconic cockney. Yes. Isn't it? Um, It was also the explosion on set was bigger than anyone was expecting. So it was like, it was real. The line basic. I mean, it wasn't improvised or anything. (laughs) No, no, no. But but, but, yeah, it did. It did. Um, So, yes. We have a blackboard. Uh, so more exposition um, explaining the entire plan to Mr. Bridger, who clocks a bloke listening. So uh, he's got to arrange, arrange a funeral so he can go speak to Charlie because someone has realised what they're up to from the mafia. I thought the funeral scene was excellent. I love the fact they were like, is this funeral misty enough? Nope, <laughs> it's not misty enough. Roll the mist. Uh, dry ice central. <laughs> Uh, but it's great fun that he to speak to people in public. He just they get they sort another yeah, funeral. I think it's for hilarious, him. and it, it, it's the sort of thing that even though you're watching quite a broad comedy, you're like oh, I bet that actually happens. Yeah, like, because that's the only way you can get. Yeah, out, and, and and another great moment for Bridger. He's giving them all a pep talk that turns into a very very um, veiled threat to kick the shit out of them if they don't succeed. <laughs> like the prep talks I give you guys before each episode of Clash, which do work. Yes, don't fuck this one up. <laughs> Don't talk about money. <laughs> uh, but the mafia are still onto them. They halt them in the Alps, smash up some of their cars. Those beautiful cars. Two Jags and an Aston Martin go off the side. Yeah, I found this frustrating, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. because you, the nicest looking cars in the the retinue, if mm-hmm. you will, nothing wrong with minis, but you know, they get they get gone straight away. And it's like, oh, I wish this was all part of the plan, like mm. as in decoy cars or right. whatever. And yeah, it's yeah. not. They're just like, oh, look, the mafia are here. Like you were told they're going to be. Yeah. And they've told you to fuck off. And your plan here is fine. It doesn't work for me, but maybe it, it leans in more to the themes of the film where it's like it's more of sh- it's showing, sorry, telling and not showing. So it's like threatens every single Italian expat living in England. Mm. And it's like, I don't know how that would work. But you believe in Mr. Bridges so much that he you will, believe that... He will, he will drive them into the sea. Yeah. I think we're using some, some Winston Churchill rhetoric there. Yeah. But the Italians in Britain will be made to suffer by smashing up the restaurants and ice cream parlours. Yes. Yes. I mean... <laughs> I mean, fine, but it's fine. It's, not it, fine. It, it, yeah, it fits in. It fits with the film, though, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what this film is. Um, so they cause a power cut. They break into How the... do you cause a power cut? You throw a bike at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. 
One bike at one substation. Gone. Thing, whole thing's gone. Lobber bike at it. Yeah, we need to see the testing that. I mean, how do you find out that lobbing a bike? White. <laughs> Is the bike heavy enough? I don't know. It's a bike. <laughs> Uh, they break in, they replace some reels at the Turin Traffic Centre. I mean, it doesn't really matter why. We, it's the first time we hear the strains of a certain song. We'll get to the song a bit later. Yep. We, we've got an instrumental version here. Uh, the gold arrives. And then in, I think, quite a frustrating scene, um, if you're a woman... Um, <laughs> Charlie sends Lorna home. You're a liability. It's, it's, a man, it's a man's job. So he sends her home. I mean, what's she even there for? It's, She's in reserve anyway. It's bizarre. The, this is a very generous reading, but because this is, doesn't pay off at the end. But at the end, one of the mafiosas, like, find the flight register, the thing, whatever. Basically, find the people that left this country because they're related, as in not related, but they're connected to the gang. And I was like, oh, earlier on, Charlie's realised this, that they're going to get his girlfriend. And even though she's like, yeah, I love you. And he's like, oh, stop it. He does love her, really. And he's putting her out of harm's way in the time-honoured way you did in the 60s, which is to say, you're doing my head in. Yeah. You need to leave. Yeah. I don't really think that's what's happened. I think he's just gone, oh, shit, there's a woman here. That's a mistake. Yeah. Get rid of her. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's just bizarre. It's, it, it's it, also, I mean, it's actually quite restrained on the part of the film that... He doesn't. He gets rid of the English girl, but he isn't like because I've got this hot Italian woman no, waiting so. for me. So that's a positive. Yeah, it's just it's not right. No, and it's not good. Uh, but what is nice and right and good is that they've all got very cool jumpsuits now. Red, white, and blue jumpsuits. I do, I know. Why do they need the jumpsuits just to be? Because don't they mark you out in a crowd as? Oh look, you robbed us. Yeah. You're the, get the people no. wearing the jumpsuits. Well, um, Camp Freddy's wearing a pink suit in a minute. Yeah. So it's an aesthetic form, I guess. And they're like, let's make this look cool okay. rather than actually be practical. Yeah. And help us avoid arrest. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. these minis do stand out. They do. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, wouldn't Fiat. <laughs> if you want to rob Turin, maybe do it in a Fiat. Oh, good point. And you've got 50 grand in your back pocket. Um, Professor Peach gets sidetracked by a larger lady on a bus and gets himself arrested in a subplot that goes precisely nowhere. Good. Uh, but I guess it gets him out of the film. Yeah. Um, so the job. We're one hour in. We get the job. This film is nothing if not economical. Right. Um, so there's an England game happening. And uh, in Turin, this, uh, on this day, which is a good idea to have your heist at the same time as something like this. Uh, so we've got this England fan we mentioned earlier this, this bigger man covered in flags uh, turning off cameras all over town while moaning about bloody foreigners <laughs> I love the sound effect where he puts the thing in the bin and goes beep boop and he's like well that's that done I, I genuinely like stuff like that like that's that's 60s tech right yep, there love it yep. uh, the traffic starts mounting uh, they start working their way through the streets um, they stick their helmets on yeah I don't think you'd be wearing helmets as well if you're um, if you're trying to be really restrict your field of vision uh, um, they stop the truck carrying loot they fight the police as i said so there's no guns in this scene mm. because the british criminals rarely use guns at that time uh they use, apparently pickaxe handles was the weapon of choice and so um that's why they used here for the robbery so i think it's... i was just surprised that they they sort of hold up the thing and i go, i get why they don't have guns and it's not that sort of film you don't want to see that but i don't i just always felt like in europe they just were a bit more sort of tooled up than we are and it was it was surprising to me that no one got shot by the police yes 
But it's I mean, fine. Again, it's, it's really know. not that kind of film. But if you wanted a bloodbath here, <laughs> they could have arranged it. Just Benny Hill being shot 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> His big body ballooning all over the place. That'll learn you. Um, they transfer the gold to the minis and the pro drivers race off in a red, a white and a blue Mini Cooper. Um, and then we've got the drive. Uh, I've got the best section heading ever for this one. Please do. It's all about the mini, mini, mini. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's great. That's there's, great. There's even three of them. That's so good. <laughs> and what follows is a genuinely incredible feat of precision driving. Uh, they go downstairs through shopping districts and arcades. Oh, that looks amazing. Yeah, the local shop open, uh, owners didn't know until the last minute that this was happening, so they all put up obstructions um, to piss off the filmmakers. Brilliant. So this was not an easy shoot by any um, by any, pl- by any sense of the imagination. Uh, they go along the side of Piazza picking up food along the way. They're sliding and drifting to avoid pedestrians, which I found so impressive, because one mistake and people are dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're not welcoming no, they're flying over ramps. They, there's this moment where they jump between two buildings and, and Slocum um, says that he's, that's the thing he really regrets because Collinson wanted filmed from the side so you couldn't appreciate how good this stunt is where oh, they're literally flying over t- a, a gap between two buildings. Amazing. But you can't tell. So he said we should have done it from the top down. And then you can see the distance. And we should have, and I would have done it in slow motion as well, just to see how far these cars are actually wow, flying. Yeah. Um, so we missed something there. They're, they're driving through palaces. There's a motorcycle cop following them, biking through a wall and hitting the deck. They drive down some church steps in formation. Yeah. Uh, they drive on the roof of, I had to look this up, it's an aircraft hangar. Oh, right. Looks amazing. It does. It's know, a bit daft. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing they go, it. Boop, 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 go up, and then yep. they're like, nope, bye. No, absolutely pointless. <laughs> yeah. But again, guess that guy just said i can do that there so Bang. i'll do it stick it yeah. in the script uh they hide in a huge car park full of minis i love that bit because yeah. that is that's super broad but because a mini is quite a cute thing when it like pokes its nose out it's like oh okay we're gonna go yeah. i just thought that was lovely yeah they, this is it it's about giving the car's personality and i think they do succeed in doing that uh we see italians partying hard in the traffic jam Oh yeah, yeah. They're making. They're trying to make love, slapping yeah. each other, having a yeah. dance. Classic. Just Italians. Just Italians, as we understand them. And then we get the self-preservation society. Yeah. Okay. Right. Get you... a blooming move on. <laughs> um, thoughts on this song, Vicky? Because I... it's pretty prominent from here on in. So I only know it because of football. Sure. And that's it. And I, I, and then I saw the Italian job after I'd heard the song, obviously, yeah. because you hear the song everywhere whenever football's on. For non-sports listeners, foreign people who might not watch football, the the England supporters band play this song a lot on the trumpet yeah. at sporting events. Yes. And I didn't really, and I've never got it. That's it. I've never interrogated it. I've never yeah. asked it. I should ask. Like, what? what I'd never stuff? listened to the lyrics until this week. No, I just... And I, it's all Cockney stuff. I, oh, it's, is it? Yeah, it's a lot of Cockney rhyming slang. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you the, quickly the story. After they finished the shooting the film, they didn't have a song. They all went to dinner in a fashionable restaurant because that was Michael Caine's thing at the time. He owned fashionable restaurants and he went to the... Um, <laughs> and uh, Michael Caine sang to Quincy Jones, My Old Man's a Dustman. All right. And he got to the end and he, apparently he did some diddly diddlies. <laughs> um, right. Mentioned brown bread. Um, and, and Quincy, Quincy Jones, Jones went, went yes. away from that <laughs> saying, I love it. I want to put this together in a song that incorporates some rhyming slang using a similar tune to My Old Man's a Dustman. All right. Bang, you've got, a, you've got a hit that's going to last for 50 years. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. He never thought that would be the one of all the things he did. <laughs> Self-preservation society and thriller. <laughs>
<laughs> what a career. But as um, as Dealey said, the ending was quite patchy being edited together until that music came in and it sort of strings it all together. Yeah. So they're racing through some clearer streets now on the outskirts of Turin. Uh, they cruise through some water and aqueduct. That looks great. Uh, then they drive through some big pipes. Um, this was a sewage system. So they wanted to do a ward of death there where they went around in a circle. Ah, awesome. Tried it once. Not possible. <laughs> Crashed. <laughs> Cut that one out. Uh, it's a good job no one died, to be honest. They told yep. the car trying that. Yeah. And so while we're watching this, we've got the celebration in prison and they're all doing the England chant with cutlery mm. while Bridger walks amongst them. Mm. I like it. I love it for him. It's, I found it quite intimidating. Sure. Uh, but for him, it's a great moment. Yeah. A bit premature, maybe. The, yeah. You know, the money's not in Geneva. Yes, yes. I was quite, yeah, I was quite surprised with the order of things, but then I guess it has to be premature because it ain't going to make it to Geneva, is that's it? That's right, yes. But no, I mean, I've, I've, I, when I think of purely English cinema, that is one of the shots I think of, of yeah. him walking through while they're all doing that. It's and just... I love, because No Coward is brilliant, where he, he's moving his hands and he's trying to look like uh, grand, because he is, yeah. but also he's a little bit he's touched by yep. the gesture and, he's and a bit embarrassed and he's super joking. Yeah, yeah, it's the first time we've seen him really smile yeah. because he's he's proud and he's happy. Yeah, he's it's nailed it. <laughs> um, so um, the song kicks in with the lyrics now and they drive the Mini Coopers into the back of the bus. I love that. Yeah, and I was listening to stories about Peter Collinson, his wife's on these documentaries talking about him. He seemed like a um, quite a terrifying character, I think. He could be quite intimidating. Uh, people said he was always trying to prove himself. And so that's actually him waving the minis into the back of the bus, which was a really dangerous shot. Yeah. But he wanted to show everyone well, that he could do this kind you of need thing. To, you need to do it. You need to accelerate up the thing. Yeah, but yeah. then you need to hit the brakes. So you're going to go straight through the front of the yeah, bus. Yeah. Amazing. So that's your director yeah. in the scene doing that. I think the dialogue maybe could work a bit harder because Michael Caine ends up shouting at someone, get your wheels in line. At which point you'd be like, yes, I know. <laughs> like, what do you, what? All right. N- good, good job you said. <laughs> Get your wheels in line. Um, so they unload the gold and, and tackle those lethal roads in the Alps on their way to Switzerland while Bridger sits down to a big roast dinner. <laughs> then we've got the ending. So they wrote four endings. Three okay. endings take place in Geneva where they make it to Geneva. The one, the only one I could find the details of ends in England where Bridger has done a deal with the Mafia and orders them to take the gold back to Italy oh, and I give it to the Mafia. That. Yeah, That's so good. But... um. It was Michael Dealey, apparently, who went to Robert Evans and he pitched the literal cliffhanger concept. And uh, Robert Evans liked it. Uh, Troy Kennedy Martin agreed. And so we have the minis crashing at the beginning of the ending. They, yep, they push they them push out them and they off, go yeah. down the cliff. So so um, Troy Kennedy Martin said that your ending feels like it's starting to happen here. And he says, if we had done another scene with the mafia and stuff, he said it, it, it didn't feel like it would fit with the structure of the film. Agreed. And so that's why they didn't use that. Um, they, they, they crash on the rocks below. Um, Douglas Slocum was the bloke at the bottom shooting that. And he said that um, you never knew where the minis were going to land. Mm. And he said, um, I had been hit by an aeroplane before while shooting a scene. <laughs> and it would be ironic if a mini got me in the end. <laughs> so he said that was quite frightening. But they're celebrating in the back of the bus, um, which sends the, the vehicle careening from side to side while the driver is just pissing himself. Yeah, I don't like it. It's, it's 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 as an iconic ending. Obviously, it's going to outlive me, and good for them. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. 
it just, you know, film is also a story plus character. So what have I seen? I've seen a bunch of what I believe are professionals kind of arse about and mourn and grumble about doing this job. Yeah. They managed to pull it off because they are the best of the best, but then they're fucking around on a bus yeah. and that's what gets them. The driver's super unprofessional. Yeah. He's having a laugh, whatever. What's that saying? That's yeah. his one job and he can't do that. Why? And if they just focused, they would have been fine. Yeah. And I, I just don't like it for that. There needs to be something else. If your team scores a winner in the final minute, don't over-celebrate until the final whistle's actually gone. <laughs> As everybody knows. Yeah, especially if you support my team. <laughs> uh, notorious for letting goals in in the last seconds. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they skid and end up hanging off the side of the mountain. Um, the fellas are at one end of the bus, the gold in the middle. You've got Charlie edging towards the, the, the back and the bus starts tipping. He crawls, it tips again. The gold starts slipping he gets them to counterbalance him they're trying everything they can and then finally michael kane says hang on a minute lads i've got a great idea brilliant and that's where the film ends which is good yes it's just a frustration no it's not if only they'd had a stick is what i thought or a hook a stick with a hook like the banshees they'd have been fine they need dominic um (laughs) so do you know what they did need to do no. Uh, what the Royal Society of Chemistry uh, made happen in 2008. I don't know. Um, they held a competition for a solution that had a basis in science Yeah. to this. Uh, and the rules were it wasn't to take more than 30 minutes and you weren't allowed to use a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Love those rules. <laughs> so the winning entry was by John Godwin of Surrey. And this is what he would do. And it's something they it was similar to what they talked about at the time when this came up. Um, first, the coach would have to be stabilised by breaking the windows that overlook the precipice. Then the fuel tank at the rear of the vehicle would have to be emptied by running the engine. Wow. Okay. This is the key. It's running the engine until it runs out of fuel. OK. Um, finally, a gang member would be allowed out of the coach in order to stabilise the front end with rocks. And that's job done, apparently. Okay. True or not, that theory won him a three-night stay in Turin. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> but certainly at the time when everyone talked about it, it was it was about running the engine and, and, and that supposedly helping to tip the balance by the weight of the All petrol. I was obsessed with, though, is the gold is heavy. We've established that it's heavy. It is heavy. So even if you manage to get the gold off the bus, you're stuck in the Alps with a load of gold because your bus is still sure. dangling off the edge. Sure. That's not a solution to me, John Godwin from Surrey. I'm not being funny. Mm. How do you drive that bus off the edge, as in back onto the road? Uh, yeah, the bus ain't coming back. But you've back. got no fuel now, yeah. So the bus what ain't coming back. What you, are you they've just do? got to carry, the, carry gold, carry the gold to by Switzerland. Hand. No, <laughs> no I, I, but honestly, I love it as an ending. And it, I do think it's one of the greatest endings in film history yeah if anything else had happened if they got it whatever you just we wouldn't we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking about the Italian job today I know today. we wouldn't I know. no okay should we do the bits yes please uh, favourite scene it's the ending yeah <laughs> get on yeah. with it yep that's great uh, I mean to be fair the heist is pretty good I look, the with shopping centre bit yeah. is brilliant yeah yeah it, it's amazing that, that that last half hour but yes cliffhanger yeah uh, most valuable whatever uh, Noel, Coward, Noel Coward, sorry, but actually, not to diminish Noel Coward's performance, but the character, as I said, of a Mr. Bridger, sure. who is this person that runs the world, but played so perfectly yeah. by like, just the synthesis of a really intriguing character and a brilliant performance of that character. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'd written down the stunt drivers, but then Troy Kennedy Martin on this documentary called it Remy Julien's movie, the, the lead stunt driver. So I think 
he's deserving of a shout as well. Sure. And uh, if you could change anything, what would you change apart from removing Professor Peach? <laughs> Remove Professor Peach. That goes uh, without saying. So, yeah, they're, they're a cliffhanger. And then Lorna pops back up and he's like, so you tried to send me away. So I've shacked up with this mafia man and now he's going to rob you blind. Oh. Maybe. Don't send Lorna packing. I don't mind. It's the 60s. Things weren't great. But don't have her go there to wear a big hat and then send her away. Yeah. And also the other thing, and it's it's a, you know it's a long one to articulate, but the, uh, there needs to be a flaw in someone's character that isn't just ineptitude. That means they end up dangling off that cliff. I would yes. love Charlie. I don't really know who Charlie is, and I'm not supposed yeah. to. He's just a, a patchwork quill of isn't Michael Caine cool kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it would be good if there was a thing in his character, which could be impetuousness. It could be, mm. oh, whatever, ambition, whatever it is. That's the thing that takes him off the edge and he's got to fix it. That's, yeah. I mean, that's just basic stuff. Yeah. It, the, the driver becoming hysterical. Yeah. It's not good enough, is it? No. It's not good enough. It's not. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I said about getting the team together, introducing the characters in the boardroom. I, I, that's becoming a real annoyance for me watching these films that haven't thought to do something creative with that. But I think you could also, I mean, it's obviously about precision driving and them doing the same thing. But I think you could introduce the three drivers with three distinct personalities and three distinct skills. Yeah. One's the fast one, one's the aggressive one, one's the one that does tricks. Yeah. And then we use those throughout the climax rather than having it just be the precision driving. Have the precision driving, which is great to look at, but, but also yeah, have them, doing, yeah. have them doing skillful things themselves. Makes sense. Good change. Well done. And we're out. Great. So... Uh, we won't do a Clash Q this week because it's just the two of us. We'll save it for next week. No problem. Um, what else have we got to do? We've got to do a clue for next week. Mate, I have got a clue. Oh, thank God, because I was, I was oh stalling there God. trying yeah, to think no, of no, one. No, 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 I've got you. Get and, in. and this is great. And Get I went in, round the houses with this because there are so many options. But I have centred on the best one. Are you okay. ready? <clears throat> you sometimes do this and build them up and then they're shy. But they make me laugh. I know. And that's, yeah, that's, well, that's really fine. Good. If you're happy, I, I'm happy. I, 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 Definitely feel we're in that area. If you're happy, I'm happy. I'm really happy. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> ready? Here we go. <clears throat> pills are pills, but they call them le pills. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see what you've done That's there. hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. It's good. I'll just do it one more time because yeah. I rushed it. Ready? Uh, pills yeah. are pills, but they call them le pills. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Li- li- yeah. 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 Oh, good so for pr- me. Probably definitely getting one of the films. <laughs> Maybe not the other one, though. Maybe not. Maybe and not the other what, one. And I'll tell you what, if you don't do it like that, it's really hard to do. Okay. <laughs> You've got to okay. trust me. You've got, got give me some work to do on Twitter. Yeah. Um, when Alex said he wasn't doing this, you messaged me, because it was quite last minute, um, do you want any help? And I said, yeah, you should do the intros. And you, you sort of laughed. You didn't say that. You said laughed, and then you said no. <laughs> um, so I didn't make you do the intros. We had a joke at the start, but I did it. Yeah. You can do the outro. Oh, my God. How do we even do the outro? <laughs> no, I've not written anything. Oh, shit. Wait a second. You can do it, you can do it. Come on. So that was uh, uh, The Italian Job. Thank yep. you for listening. Yeah. Please have a look on the, the internet. Please rate, review and subscribe yep. on Apple, Spotify, yep. wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, Check out YouTube. Oh, yeah. We've got some stuff on YouTube, Twitter, I believe. Yep. Twitter. Always we're we're at ClashPod. We are, yeah. Instagram, yep. also at ClashPod. Yep. Uh, we, we love stuff like that. Please keep doing it. Yep. Um, we will speak to you. We don't say speak to you. That's weird. We can it? do. Yeah. We will speak <laughs> we to you. We'll speak to you on you, Thursday. You won't, able, you won't be able to speak back. <laughs> yeah, it's not a conversation <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see you on Thursday when we are doing Fast Five. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.